great to have you guys here. Many of you were twisting very well, and a few others of you need to work on it. So I encourage you to practice that at home. Yeah. This week was a, a difficult week. I need to start off that way. We all encountered the tragedy that took place in Boston with the bombings and the life taken of different people and hundreds of people who were injured in such a variety of horrendous ways. Um, In the midst of that, I received a a phone call uh, from someone, and we had a funeral yesterday, a young man, Kenneth Olson. uh, He died as a result of a car accident, someone going the wrong way. Uh, I don't know if they were drunk or what it was, or they were driving about 80 miles an hour, head-on collision, killed him instantly, both of them. And I received the call from the parents and began to interact with him. We had the funeral here yesterday, and uh, we had about, oh, I don't know, 300 people. We had people everywhere here because they recognized the tragedy in the necessity of gathering together in the midst of this uh, to honor and to encourage and support those who were uh, felt defeated as a result of this, this death took place. I've asked uh, Clint Calkins, who was a close friend to Kenneth. In fact, just a year before, he had officiated the marriage for uh, Kenneth and his wife, Sarah. And so I've asked him to come on up, and he's going to lead us in a prayer for the Olson family. And then I'm going to lead us in a prayer for the Boston tragedy following that uh, as we saw this horrendous thing take place. But I want to say something in both areas. In both cases, these were tragic, broken things that, that happened as a result of living in a world in which the image of God is marred in which we find ourselves constantly dealing with grace, transformation, the wonder of people's love, the ability of people to gather in and care for those, and then the other side watching stupid, uh, terrible things take place as they would literally try to take the life of somebody else or accidentally fall into and under the influence of alcohol or drugs. And the result is the taking of someone's life. Some horrible, horrible stuff. And I just ask that you will pray with us as we pray for the family, and then I'll pray for Boston. I'm going to ask Clint to start us, and he's going to pray for Sarah and for the family there. Clint, go ahead. We pray for those who are in Boston and who are wondering what's happening, uh, what's happened uh, with you. Uh, Why would people try deliberately to kill someone else in your name? And then why in the midst of it they see all these other people who love you and reached out and cared for them would literally take their shirts off to bind wounds and open homes to strangers so they might have a place to sleep. Doctors spending hours and hours of time without any pay just saying, oh, if I just might be able to help one. This outpouring of the true image that you've placed within us being seen while at the same time the blurred image of the brokenness within us and the sin that so easily brings destruction to us. Father, we pray that your spirit might pour out upon all of us and especially those in Boston. That the result of this tragedy might be incredibly powerful in an outpouring of your grace that thousands and thousands of people can be introduced to you and experience the peace and the joy that only you can provide through your son. Thank you. 
Lord, for sending your son to let us see the true image of who you are and the willingness on his part not only to display grace and truth, but to destroy the power of sin and death and darkness. Oh, Lord Jesus, our prayer has come quickly. Come quickly. Amen. Thank you, Clint. We started in our series. Yes. Yes. You know, uh, when we're done here, I just encourage you guys, continue in the process of prayer. Don't just wait to come to church to pray. Be praying regularly. Be praying as it comes to your mind and thought. Even as we walk through the message and God presses something on you, then just pray and lay it out and say, Oh, God, work here for the mothers, for the fathers, for all those affected, that there's going to be some great things, some good things take place in this horrible, horrible tragedy, whether it be the the tragedy of, of Kenneth, you know, the tragedy of the Saturday before as Eric led the funeral there of a, of a man who died as a result of, uh, I think it was, uh, well, whatever, it doesn't matter, but he died so quickly and left behind a wife and children. And, and we have to deal with these things. And how can we respond in the way that God would have us respond? That grace can be shown and peace can be provided and comfort and people might find the reality of who God is in the midst of that. That's always our prayers. When we talk about these Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments of God are viewed so totally incorrectly. We misunderstand what it is that they're trying to say to us, what it is that God was trying to say to us, because we, we see them in black and white when they are meant to be seen in color. They're meant to be seen in all the perspective and a grasping of all that God is, all that he was and all that he always will be, and we begin to comprehend him in that fashion, then we begin to understand them. We begin to understand that God is the creator of all things, the provider of all good things, the one who puts us into place so that we can begin to experience peace and hope and direction and faith and joy, that he is the creator of all these things that we so desperately want to be a part of, that we begin to understand while he says, I must be first. I must be the number one priority in your life. I must be the prime value upon which everything else is valued from. And that only as you do that will life begin to make sense and everything will begin to fit together. You see, once he is the prime value and I understand that, then I can begin to value other things correctly. I find myself understanding that a can of Spam is worth a lot less than a brand new Toyota Camry. Some of you say, well, of course it is. Oh, because you know what a Toyota Camry is. But if you're in Hawaii, Spam might be. (laughs) Values. God tries to teach us about values. He says, the first and foremost value, the priority in your life must be that I am at the center of your being. And if I am, then everything else 
will revolve around me in such a way that life will work and you will experience all that I intended for you to experience and you'll begin yourself to find who you are and enjoy the life that I've given you for the time that you have while you're here on this planet and then far more when you leave to begin to live for eternity with me in a completely different manner in a wondrous place where you begin to experience life as it was meant to be experienced without brokenness and all that that means. God says, we are so broken, we can't even imagine what that means. But it is truly going to be amazing. The primary value in our life must be God first and foremost, God in the center. Then the second value in our life, he goes on to say, you must understand that the second value that comes on here is in relationship to not taking on an idol or worshiping an image other than who I am. Not allowing yourself to fall into any image that you think is who I am. An image of wealth, an image of fame, an image of power. That is not who I am. And if you begin to shape things into that image and begin to bow before that image, you will find yourself devalued in reality and you will also devalue me. Let's read the scripture together, the second and third commandment, which is we will worship only God in spirit and in truth. We will not worship any other false images. And secondly, that we will not misuse his name. Let's read it together. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Father, speak to us clearly so we can begin to understand these marvelous truths and allow them to be applied to our lives that we might live life as you intended for us to live it. You will worship only God in his true image and not misuse his name or his authority. You will not present him in a way other than who he is to anyone that you interact with, but instead you will present him in truth. Jesus said it this way, we are to worship God who is spirit in spirit and in truth. That false worship versus true worship is about understanding the truth and then responding to it. That's exactly what this first commandment was. He says, don't make an image, a false picture, a counterfeit display of who I am in any way or manner, whether it be in heaven or whether it be on earth. No images for you that display anything other than who I truly am. In Exodus 20, the word in the Hebrew is the word temura, and it means reflection or a facsimile. And the idea is that we tend to worship an image who is not God. We tend to fall into that. 
Let me see if I can give you a, a, a trite example. If you go into my office, you'll see a variety of pictures. There are pictures of my grandchildren. There are pictures of my children. But predominant is there are a number of pictures of my wife. And so people walk in, they look at those pictures, and they say, is that your daughter? And I understand, so I don't respond negatively. I just say, no, that's my wife. And they go, wow, you are one lucky guy. I said, I know. I know I am. But let's say this week I decide, you know, that picture is getting old. And so I get a picture of a girlfriend that I had when I was 12, because obviously I didn't have anybody else with my wife after that. But when I was very young, and, and I put her picture in there. Okay? Or perhaps I put one of your pictures in there. I decide, you know, somebody here at the church, they really look good. They make great pictures. I'm going to put their picture there. And you walk in and you see that picture and you go, is that your wife? And I say, oh, no, it's just an old girlfriend. Now, first of all, that's a bad idea. Very, very bad. But if I did that, what would you think of me? Yeah, this is our pastor. May God have mercy upon us. You recognize that that image was totally out of whack. That is not at all what should have been sitting on my desk in recognition of someone whom I love and who I'm committed to for all of my life. And yet for many of us, we do the exact thing with God. People come into our homes, come into our lives, and the images that we present to them of success and power and fame and dollars is not an image of God being first and foremost and center of my life. This should not be. First and foremost, God says, I want you to worship, put me first, recognize my worth, value me in such a way that there are no images in your home, in your office, or anywhere else that don't depict either who I am or the truths that I've taught you. Both of those work, by the way. Both of those work. Who I am or the truths that you've taught me. You see, God begins to teach us this simple fact. He says, you're going to have a tendency to follow after idols. How many of you like money? Come on. Because I'm going to get the rest of you to take out your wallet and give me all you got. Give me your purse. Give me all you got. I go, okay, I'm perfectly willing to take it. I like money. I do not like being poor. I don't even like... I, I, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Quentin takes me out regularly. He takes us out, and he, and he always buys lunch, or, you know, buys dinner, and he's a very generous person. But you know something inside of me? You know what I really want to do? You know what I want to do? I want to pay. I want to pay. When my kids, I go and see my kids... And I'm, I'm going to pay. I want to pay. because, And I like having the money to pay for it. But sometimes God says, you know, Lee, that's not what you need right now. You need to be humbled a bit and let somebody else pay. And they need to have the blessing of being able to pay for you. So any of you that want to take me to lunch... <laughs> 
we tend to worship different types of idols. Before we knew Christ, the scripture says, we were controlled by dead idols who always led us astray. They controlled us. They led us astray. They brought disappointment into our life and domination into our life. We were disappointed with what they provided us, and then they began to dominate us as a result of how we had responded to these idols. You see, whatever you choose to love more than God will begin to control you. Whatever you love more than God will begin to control you. I don't care what it is. Family, finances, fame, doesn't matter. If you begin to love them more than God, they will begin to control your life. See, the word we use today for idols is the word addiction. Addiction. And you can be addicted to your work. You can be addicted to sex. You can be addicted to sports, to alcohol, or to drugs. And eventually, anything that you become addicted to will destroy your life. Idols will dominate you. And then they'll distract you from living life itself. Instead, you'll find yourself living a lie. How many of you know that to be true? Raise your hand. Thank you. That's, and so isn't it a bummer we know it's true? Because the reason we know it's true is because we followed the lie. We accepted the fantasy as being true. And it wasn't. It was false. And it began to bring more and more destruction into our life. You see, we lose perspective. We're, we're led astray. Whenever something takes the place in our life that God is supposed to have, whenever an idol, a false image begins to guide our life and we begin to bow towards it and do what it asks us to do, domination, destruction will begin to be that which we will find ourselves caught up with. We all know somebody who because of the lure of a promotion gave up their family life and lost their children. Because of the promise of fame, they compromised their integrity. Because of the provision of profit, they chose to give up all their convictions and to live as someone had directed them to because they were willing to pay them more. Wow. God says, if you don't watch out an idol... Anything you love more than God will distract you and dominate you, and you'll lose what is most important and most valuable in your life. Idols always promise more than they can deliver. They're always writing checks that you can't cash. Those who make idols are disillusioned because the gods they made are false and lifeless. And anytime you've got a person or a thing or a product in the place of God, Anytime you expect anyone to solve all your problems or guarantee you happiness, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to be dominated. They will begin to destroy your life and control who you are. Those who make idols will become like them and so will those who trust in them. They will change you, but not for the good. They'll warp you. You will lose the uniqueness that God gave you Because you'll begin to value most what you worship and you'll begin to imitate that and you'll begin to take on all of its elements and you'll put that kind of hair on your head if you've got hair. Eh? You'll wear those kind of clothes. 
You'll start showing yourself off in such a way and you won't even realize to a great degree that you're doing it. And you're beginning to walk down the road to destruction. And God says, do not let idols dominate your life. They will distort you and you'll be unable to be what God meant for you to be in the first place. Let's watch this interesting clip about the life of Ray Charles and how he had fallen apart. That's a picture that we're trying to understand. Ray was a famous person, but he began to recognize his desperate need for God. We could easily put up Johnny Cash. We could put up a number of different people who began to recognize, and they had fallen after an image. They began to follow an image of God that dominated them, controlled them, and was bringing destruction to them. Unfortunately, for many of these people, they found God's help in the midst of that. We need to listen clearly to that second commandment. God has said, don't make or follow any images of me. Follow only who I am. Worship only who I am. In spirit and in truth, recognize who I am. For your own good, don't let anything else be the center of your life. Don't let anything else become an image that you begin to accept and follow and think of it as more important than a relationship with God. Worship in truth. Worship only God. Your idols will dominate you. They'll disappoint you. And that will be the result. But the scripture goes on to teach us that the wonder of God is that he is our God. He's the source of our being. Jesus called him our father. The one who desires to bring delight into our life and to deliver us in those times when we find ourselves wandering away or struggling with questions and doubts, or when there's pain that we just can't grab a hold of and deal with ourselves, God says, I will enter into that and work with you. God will delight us, and he'll deliver us in times. He wants us to experience wholeness in our life. He wants us to experience the fullness of holiness in our life. So that you can begin to find yourself when you wake up in the morning rejoicing over another day that you get to live with God and looking forward to what he has for you today. So I wonder what God is going to have for me today. We learn how to delight in God, to rejoice in his direction, and to listen as he gives us support and help in life. As Psalm 37 says, Seek your happiness in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you everything you desire. Your heart actually desires. Because you see, he recognizes what we truly need, and who we truly are, and how all that works, and we don't. God said, I will provide that as you follow the directives that I've laid out for you to life and not begin to put up a false image and not begin to follow that false image that the world system wants you to follow. Because when we believe in him, when we follow him, when we yield to his direction in life, we are not disappointed. We are delighted. And in my case, I often find myself simply saying, Lord, why did I wait so long? Why did I wait so long? You see, he alone is God. Don't settle for an image, a counterfeit, a facsimile. He alone is God. But not only was he going to give us delight, he wants to deliver us. I like the psalmist again says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. 
and he delivered me from all my fears. You see, if you want to experience freedom, a freedom that you have never felt before, then you have to make truth your intention and to worship God and God alone. That's why Jesus said, if you obey my teaching, you'll know the truth. And that truth, as you act upon it, will set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you will be truly free. When we allow God to direct our actions and restructure our motives, life begins to work, even though many times it feels upside down. It feels like, but Lord, you don't, you don't understand how this world works. Are you really saying that? Yeah, you are. But God, you don't understand my finances. Really? You don't understand my family. Really? He fully understands everything. And that's why he says, you have to deny yourself and take your cross and follow me. You have to quit depending on yourself instead deny it. You need to take up your cross, recognize what God has done for you and what he's called you to do, and follow him. You need to listen to the voice where he says, hey, this is what I need you to do. Instead of going with the other voice and responding to it. God will deliver you on a consistent, regular basis. He will set you free from your past failures and your fears. He'll set you free from your own expectations and the approval of others around you. He'll set you free from the present and give you power to break the habits that you can't control. He'll set you free from your future and you'll no longer be frightened of dying because you'll know where you're going. You'll be free in the past, free in the present, free in the future. As uh, Martin Luther King said, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty. I'm free at last. And that's the cry God wants to have expressed in your life and in your heart and in your soul. I'm free. Thank you, God, that I'm no longer shackled by those images that brought destruction into my life. We learn to worship him and we become who we were always meant to be. If you worship money, You'll love wealth, and you'll become materialistic. If you worship yourself, you'll love pleasure, and you're going to become totally selfish, a narcissist. If you worship God and love Christ, you're going to become a Christian. I hope you caught that, because we have taken the word Christian and made it something minor when it's a major thing. A Christian is one who follows Christ in everything they do. The word literally means little Christ. And that means that when people see you, they see someone who is so much like Christ, they say, he must be your brother. You look just like your dad. You act just like your dad. And that's a compliment when it's said for us as Christians. See, through Jesus, therefore, we're to continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, fruit of lips that confess his name. Because God deserves my highest loyalty. Not any person, not any career, not anything. Only God deserves that because he's the one who made me. He's the one who put everything together. He's the one who makes everything work. 
And so we have to begin to say these simple words. And I, I literally, this can become your mantra for the week, folks. Are you ready? This is your mantra for the week. It's this. God, deliver me from false images. Okay, say that with me. God, deliver me from false images. God, deliver me from false images. If that becomes your cry this week, God's going to show you those false images you've been following. You're going to go, man, I'm following that? He will say, yes, you are. And it's dominated you, and it's distorting who you are, and it's destroying everything that I intended for you to be. So stop it and begin to worship me and me alone. One of my favorite stories is about a little boy who wanted a bicycle. And he told his mom, he said, Mom, I really, really, really want a new bicycle. The mom said, like moms do, well, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray about it and ask God if he thinks I should give it to you. The guy thought about it. He said, okay. So he decided, I'm going to write a letter to Jesus. So he begins to write the letter, and he says, Dear Jesus, I want a new bicycle, and I've been perfect for the last year. <laughs> and he thinks about it, and he crumbles up the piece of paper, throws it in the trash, says, That's just not true. That's not true. So he begins to write, Dear Jesus, I've been a good boy most of the time. And he thinks, he looks, and he says, That's a lie, too. And he throws it in the trash. And he says, Hmm. Dear Jesus, if you get me a new bike... I will become a good boy. And he thinks about it and he says, that's not true either. He throws it in the trash. And as he throws it in the trash, he looks over the side and he sees a statue of Mary sitting next to his mom's thing. And he grabs the statue, wraps it in some blankets, puts it under his bed. And he says, dear Jesus, if you want your mother back... to see your mother again you know we laugh on that and yet we do the exact same thing but just in a completely different way completely different way we begin to say god if you do this then i will do that and we lie because we're not going to do that we're less honest than a little boy was and god says look if you worship me if you make me priority in your life if you'll worship no image of place me first, I will handle it from there. I will take care of you in all these arenas of life. I will ensure that you are successful and that as you end your life, you're going to look back on it and say, God, it has been a good life. Thank you so much for all you have done in me and through me because only you could have done it. And that's the cry of God in the second commandment. Now, the third commandment is really a continuation of this thought. And it's about representing his name and his authority one to another. He says, you shall not misuse my name. He says, now, look, it. you will not declare to others a mistruth about who I am or use my name as a form of profanity. Don't misrepresent my character to other people around you. Don't misrepresent who I am by the way in which you live and call yourself a Christian. Don't misrepresent all that I am about by acting in such a way that you bring defeat to other people or destruction in their lives. And if you do, you go to them and you ask for forgiveness 
and you get it taken care of because it's only then that people recognize that you are a Christian. After I gave my life to the Lord and got back here uh, to the U.S. and I recognized I had a bunch of homes I had burglarized when I was a younger man and I remember going door to door in Ukiah, Ukiah, California. And walking and saying, yep, that's one of them. And knocking on the door and saying, hi, my name is Lee Harrison. They said, oh, nice to meet you. And I said, I'm just here because it sounds kind of funny, but God told me I need And they were like, okay. And I said, no. You see, a couple of years ago, I broke into your house. And I got to be truthful. I don't remember exactly what I took, but I think I may have taken some. And I want to pay you back whatever I took. And the people looked at me and they said, are you serious? I said, unfortunately, yes. And some of them laughed. They just thought that was the funniest thing. I remember one, so you're the one who got my coin collection. I blame my son for that. I said, yeah, I'm so sorry. Then they looked at me and they just said, wow, what happened to you? I said, well, I gave my life to Christ. And afterwards I recognized I needed to go back and make some restitution for some things I'd done wrong. And they were like, whoa, you're a Christian, huh? And that is representing the character of God. When we begin to do things we don't really want to do, but we know we must, and we begin to do the things we know we should do and are involved in them, that represents the character of God. And that's what he calls each one of us to do when he says, don't misuse my name. Don't use my name in vain with profanity or or swearing to express irritation. I've got a nice black spot on my little finger here. Someone said, how did you do? I said, it was a hammer that was misdirected. And how did you do when you hit it? I said, I went, ow. And that's all I did. I just went, ow. You know, and they said, you didn't. I said, no, I wanted to, but I just went, Ow. And I said, why? I said, because I'm convicted that God does not want me to swear as a result of some pain to come into my life as a result of me or somebody else. And that I'm not to use his name in vain, but I'm to use it in worship and honor and recognition of who he is and what he has done. So when someone cuts me off in the street and I want to, you know, I just give them the finger. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, (laughs) God... Bless you. Uh, my wife would say, I go, oh. Say, there probably something's going on in their life. Uh, you know, and, and, oh, I still remember, I, I shouldn't tell you these things. <laughs> I was with my wife. We, were, we just recently got married. We were heading across the pass, and I was, I think it was a U-Haul or something on the end. And this guy cuts me off. And I'm like, what? Dude, I hit the gas before. My wife's on the side going, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm going, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going, really? You know. That's crazy. That's crazy. And I was swearing. That S-O-B, that. And I was serious. God, take him out. <laughs> I was trying to be Christian in it, you know. Uh, my wife's looking at me like, I thought I married a young pastor. And 
Woo. And it's, I'm still working somewhat on, you don't have to tell him everything, honey. It's okay. You know, she, she didn't say anything. She said, yeah, I, I hit, now I hit the wheel and I go, Lee, you idiot. Or something along that end. Okay. We're not to take God's name in vain. And we claim to be committed to him and we don't back it up with our lifestyle. You don't say I love the Lord and then act like you love the devil. Okay? That's taking God's name in vain. And people look at you and say, aren't you? Didn't you? You're like, dude, you know, we're, on, we're saved by grace. Okay. I don't think we're talking about your salvation. We're talking about your lifestyle. And what God saved you from, so that you can begin to experience wholeness and freedom and hope and all the things that He wants you to have. We take God's name in vain and we use it without meaning. You get up here, we do these great songs. And my only problem sometimes when we do really great songs is I want to make sure that I'm okay. Because sometimes we're here and we're singing, Praise Jesus, and I'm thinking, I'm really ticked, I'm really ticked, I'm really ticked. You know, and we're singing, Jesus is just all right with me. And I'm singing, not really right now. I'm mad. God, why are you letting this go out in my life? And that's, that's the struggle. And God says, don't worship me without meaning. So sometimes you can stand up and so I'm going to give you freedom. Don't sing if you don't mean it. Just go banana, banana, banana. <laughs> Nobody will know. I know I just used to do that in choir all the time. We used to banana, 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 banana. And so the choir person thought we were singing. Don't say words that you don't mean because God is listening and he's saying, you didn't mean that. You didn't mean that. And Justin is so good about putting these wondrous lyrics up here. And you're like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah. So we need to be careful. We don't take God's name with that. Don't mess with his name. It represents his reputation, his character, his authority. And God wants us to use his name, but he wants us to use it correctly. That's why Jesus said, and God will do whatever you ask in my name so the Son might bring glory to the Father. So he's saying, hey, look, represent me. Recognize who I am and represent me to other people around you. Honor me. Honor me as you recognize who I am and what I've done. Listen to the voice. You say, what are you talking about, Lee? There's an interesting verse here in Isaiah. It says this. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And Jesus is saying, you are my brothers and sisters. I have brought you into my family. Listen to the voice. Listen to the voice. Or as some of my friends would say, represent. Man, represent. You have the opportunity to introduce somebody to somebody else who can provide them with freedom from guilt, forgiveness of their sins, purpose in life, clarification of how to live, strength to live out beliefs and values they can rejoice in, hope for the future and eternal life. And I don't know about you, but that's someone I want to be introduced to. And I still remember talking to one young man who was in my uh, army 
area. He was part of the room that I lived in and the barracks that I was in. And he was a Christian and he, he knew who God was. But I didn't know it till after I became a Christian. And after I'd give my life to Christ and I walked in, I found that he was, I took him and I put him against the wall. I literally did. I was not a happy camper. And I said, why did you not ever tell me about Jesus? And he went, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, no. Why did you not ever tell me about Jesus? I said, a young lady from Campus Crusade had to come all the way across in the States, go down to a bar that I was in, be humiliated as she shared with me who Jesus was and how he could work in my life. Why didn't you tell me? And he didn't have anything to say. And I would say to you here, tell them about Jesus. Introduce them to him. If they don't want to be his friend, that's not your problem. But introduce them to him and allow them the opportunity to experience what it means to worship God alone. To no longer bow down to images around us that we find ourselves following after because we don't know what else to do. And to no longer find ourselves just wondering why, when I find myself in pain or struggle, do I blurt out, Jesus this or Jesus that? I used to tell people, do you ever wonder why you don't go Buddha? Try it sometime. Oh, Buddha. It just doesn't work, does it? There's nothing there. I tried Confucius. You can take it on down. You got the idea. But somehow when the name of Jesus is evoked, something changes, positive and negative. Let's pray. We ask the band to come up. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We've had a chance to remind ourselves of who you are and what you called us to be. These two commandments are so powerful because they give us the opportunity not only to worship you in truth, recognizing your image, but they give us an awareness of our need to be an image ourselves to others, to direct them towards you, to be a mirror that says God is real and he can change your life. And Lord, we pray today that you'd help each one of us here to be willing to be those who introduce you to those who don't know you. They may walk through those simple ABCs as we recognize our sin and ask you for forgiveness of that sin and then are ushered into your presence and begin each day to begin to understand who you are and what you're all about. Today, Father, we ask that you would work in our lives as only you can. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song. Then we're going to take an offering after the song is over. Okay? And you're going to respond to God in some way or manner there. But for many of you, while we're singing this song right now, you need to take out that sheet of paper. There's something on You may have a prayer request. You may have a commitment you need to make. There may be something you need to do there, but take that out. Write it down. Think about it. Stay seated. Think about it. Pray about it. And Justin will lead us from there.